Thought Dump Podcast, episode number four. Um, I hope everybody had a good holiday season. Stayed safe out there. Stayed warm. You know, got plenty of food, plenty of sleep. Got some really good presents. Hopefully seen some family members you haven't seen for a while. Um, you know, ringing in the new year safely as well. Uh, we had a little bit of a, eh, a little break over the uh, holidays just due to scheduling conflicts and you know, everybody's really busy this time of year. So, nonetheless, we're pushing forward into this uh, 2019. I'm looking forward to it. I got a got a lot of really, really big plans, I guess I could say. Uh, yeah, so I guess stay tuned for that. Um, this weekend, or this week, uh, this week on the show, rather, we have uh, my friend Ron Freeman on. And, you know, I've known Ron for a good amount of time. As you'll find out in the show earlier than when I thought, um, we talk a little bit about uh, cerebral palsy, music, professional wrestling, UFC, and you know a few other things on top of that. Um, Ron is in a new band. You can catch them playing uh, February 2nd at Winterfest at the Panama Club in uh, Springfield, Ohio. It's a 951 James Street. It's a $5 charge up front. Their band is called Nine Mile Silence. You can check them out on Facebook. And we talk a little bit about professional wrestling in the show. Um, And Ron actually attended a professional wrestling academy in uh, Newark, Ohio. If you wanted to check that out, that was something you're interested in. Um, You can just go into, you know, Google Search it up, Ohio Pro Wrestling Academy in Newark, Ohio, and it will give you all of the uh, details for that. Okay, so uh, without further ado, let's get into this thing. Uh, Thought Dump episode number four, Ron Freeman. say probably around a decade ago uh, I think I was like 18 or 19 when I met you um, through our good friend Chris Pompey and actually uh, uh, if I may yeah I met you before that at was it Matt Britton or at Matt Britton's house you met me at Matt Britton's oh yeah. you were in that band with him yeah dude then, I, I fucking you, remember that you played you were playing bass that's when I first met you yeah dude I, I can't like I remember that but I don't even remember everybody that was there what what fucking year was that? Oh God! Cause I, I want like I remember that dude because that's like before like I even 07, started playing guitar. Oh eight. No, dude, it had to be before no, that. Because yeah. I've been playing guitar for like fifteen years, and this is before I started playing guitar. Because I that bass that I had, I actually got that for Christmas, and my dad got the guitar, and we ended up switching. That's crazy, cause like when, how me and Matt started playing. That's yeah. like was a lot of the stuff that ended up becoming City and Rearview. Um, so did you when you were uh, playing with Matt? Did you guys meet? Because uh, that was a that's was how that I met Chris. Church? I met I met I met Chris through through Matt. Matt. Oh okay, damn. This I know it's crazy. Day, dude, I had to been in like ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade. Yeah, it was ninth grade. So I was probably fourteen. No damn, way. Dude. Yeah, yeah, dude. Cause I remember uh, me and Matt were in the same. Uh, we had we had a couple of the same classes in high school, and that's when I met Matt, and he invited me over to 
you know, come chill at his house. And, I, dude, it was so cool. Like, they had the ping pong table. Mm-hmm. It always felt weird for me going over to other kids' houses from school because it was always, like, way nicer houses <laughs> than what I'm used to, you know, because I came from a pretty broke area. So pretty much every house that I went to that was, like, had more than one story was rich, you know? Right. They had that fucking <laughs> ping pong table, drum set, musical instruments. So I was like, Jesus, they had a go-kart even. <laughs> dude. And I think all we had was like this uh, lawnmower that my dad, like riding lawnmower that my dad took the blades off of. We used to ride that around down on uh, Cliff Street and uh, drag each other around in a wagon. <laughs> so, um, damn, dude, I didn't know we met at Matt's house back in the day. Yeah. That that was kind of like a precursor to us, you know, jamming. I know. It's jamming crazy. music. Like, I met, if I didn't ever jam with Matt, I would have never jammed with Chris. Or any of those dudes. I never got to jam with any of those people. Yeah. Um. So, other than that first time of us meeting, my earliest memory is, uh, like, around the time I started, it's like when you guys kicked the other guitarists out of City and Rearview, and Chris was like, hey, do you want to just, like, fill in for a couple shows? You know, you learn a couple songs that we have. And, uh, dude, I wish I remembered those songs to this day. I can still remember some riffs from them, but, I, like, I wish I remembered Barricades all the way through. I love playing that song. I dude. have that recorded. That's my favorite sit-in review song to play. And, uh, anyways, um, so he's like, hey, you want to come jam a couple weeks and uh, fill in for a couple shows f- until we get a, another guitarist? I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And I had this shitty Epiphone, uh, like... It's like that $100 SG. Oh, yeah. You know? I didn't even have an amp. I was using Bob's Line 6 amp. <laughs> Dude, and uh, I, I remember after playing the first couple shows, which were terrifying, you know, to me, it's the first time I ever played in front of anybody. I think the most that I played in front of was, like, maybe, you know, a couple of my friends. And uh, fucking Chris was like... Do you like wait do you wanna do you wanna join the band? And right then I'm like, ah oh. I was so nervous, but I'm like, yeah. And uh so let, let me let me bring it back a little bit to you. Um in the in the band, before I joined the band, um what was it like? Was the songwriting process any different? Um, as far as like, because when I was in the band, like Chris was like primarily the guitar writer, and I just throw in a little bit of stuff here and there. Uh, before I joined in, was it more of like a meshing together of everybody? Because my style was kind of, I, I played more, you know, the hardcore uh, metalcore style, and Chris played the pop punk sort of style. So we had a little bit of trouble meshing at some po- uh, spots. Yeah, but um, you wrote one of the, the best songs that we wrote, though. Yeah. And I remember that, like, not, not, which was for a metalcore band, by the way. That they just, we changed the key to what she was playing the song in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's how we came up with Arnold Palmer, dog. So mm-hmm. I love that. That's, you wrote, uh, you wrote some good songs. Like, well, the songwriting process before was kind of like, it would be like, and it changed a little bit throughout the years, but it would usually be like, Chris would be like, oh, I got this riff. Right. And then I would jam, jam it out. He'd usually jam it on acoustic, kind of like write stuff. And then he'd show it to everybody because 
there was like a lot of movement there because first I was I was jamming with Chris just to kind of bring it together. Right. I was jamming with Chris and then uh my old band, the first band I was in, got back together. What what was that? Something something uh, dumb, just I before think. dawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh they had a re we were gonna do a reunion show and I think they thought that I was gonna like that was something I was gonna keep doing. But we just did a couple shows and then that was it. And a couple months later, uh they hit me up. Like the old guitar player hit yeah. me up and was like, You wanna still sing for us? I was like, Yeah, man, that'd be cool. <laughs> so we started jamming in Chance uh Chance of Duffy's yeah, ho- hobby, hobby room. room. That, that thing, thing was, was tiny. tiny. It was tiny. like smaller than the room we're sitting yeah. in right now. And this, to be fair, the guitarist, me and Chris, you know, we we ain't real thin. And uh it was just so crammed in there and we practice like three, four days a week in yeah. the middle of July with no air conditioning. And Sweating. Super small area. Yeah. And, uh, so, th- I mean, that's really how you would write the songs. It's just he would show it to us. And then when we were going forward, it would just be more like they would jam it out. It just sometimes, sometimes it wouldn't even be like, he bring us a riff. Sometimes a lot of songs like you'd see, you see, we'd just be at practice. Yeah. We'd go through our stuff and then we'd like jam stuff sometimes just to see. Um, so the way you approached, uh, your lyrics and stuff for that, cause, um, Greg, you know, among the rapture, Frank's shout out, uh, <laughs> like he, he always has like really positive things to say about your vocal style and you know, how you sing on shit. And I I think that's really cool coming from, you know, somebody who primarily screams in his music. He does some cleans, but, right. you know, it's primary harsh vocals. So to hear, like, a metal guy, like, oh, dude, this pop punk guy is killing it, uh, I think that's pretty cool. So my question, I guess, would be is, like, when you were younger, uh, obviously your dad's a musician. Shout out, Neil. And um, so how did you kind of approach starting to be a vocalist like what what kind of influences did you have as a kid if any that you took from your dad or just different styles of music and how'd you like end up on pop punk and are you flexible to try you know or do other things rather yeah absolutely so just to kind of start off like you know my dad does play guitar so like for me everybody that my dad hung out with was a musician or like was affiliated in music yeah so growing up i thought like when I was like first going to school, I thought like everybody's dad like played fucking an instrument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. I realized that wasn't the case. But uh I started playing guitar and then I would just like sing stuff that my dad would be like playing. Like my dad always listened to like eighties hair metal music. Right. You know, so it'd be like that stuff or just stuff on the radio and I would like sing and then my dad and my mom would actually would kinda of, like encourage me, like, Well, you know, you're you're pretty decent. I want you to just keep trying to do that. And then, uh, I just kind of moved from there. Did you do any, uh, like vocal lessons or are you all like self-taught? Um, I didn't really have vocal lessons per se, but I was always in choir. Oh, okay. And I'm, I mean, I did get instruction from the choir teacher. So it's kind of like getting vocal lessons, like especially the high school, like at the time when I went to Newark high, they've always had like a prestigious music program there and their band in, choir and orchestra you know it's one thing that 
they don't get credit for. I mean, I don't know so much anymore, but back when I was in school, we always had like, you know, Newark was always known for having, you know, good music. Program. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so on top of, you know, being in choir, shit like that, and um, drawing these influences from your dad, like you said 80s metal, was there like a certain style of 80s metal that stuck out more? Because obviously you got like uh, like a Scorpions or a Van Halen, and then you even get into like what would you call like uh, ACDC even? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. drastic so, styles. So my dad listened to Judas Priest like oh, okay. crazy. And I liked them, and I liked Iron Maiden a lot. Those are like my first real... Because, you know, it's like, to me, like, I hear all these stories of people who, when they finally listen to metal, like, how different it was for them. Oh, yeah. But, like, I always had that influence there. You know what I mean? Like, that's musical influence in them. And then I would say, like, I really liked a lot of Queensryche. I don't know if you've listened to them. They're very underrated. I've, I've heard the band, band but... I've, I've, or I've heard of the band. I haven't heard the band. That guy was, like, one of the vocalists <sighs> out of that Excuse era that me. I think... I can't. I don't remember his name, but he uh, he was one that stuck out to me because of the way he wrote songs and just like some of those '80s vocals. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just like too much for me. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah, yeah, a yeah. huge fan. I mean, I appreciate what they're doing. Right. It's just and that guy had like a more cleaner style. He just made it sound really good. And um, so. What what sort of musical tastes or influences did you get from your mom, or did she kind of have the same style as your dad? My mom listened to, was a had a lot more open mind. Like my mom listened to, you know, she listened to a lot of pop music, oh, okay. but she listened to a lot of that eighty stuff too. But she listened to like Michael Jackson, just like I'm trying to think, like eighties girl pop music yeah, too, like so Madonna, was, yeah, Cindy Lauper, shit like that, yeah. Um, I mean, they make some catchy shit though. <laughs> they do, and I—that's one thing I like about music is like just the different styles that literally everybody brings to it. It hits everybody in a different way. I was actually listening to Eminem talk about uh, the way people listen to music the other day, and I thought it was really cool the way he was explaining it because like he—he he was primarily talking about rap, but I feel like it you know transcends through all oh, music. And he was saying like some people they have the ear when they're listening to a song. The first thing they'll do is they'll pick out, you know, the vocal style, how the voice sounds. Some other people will listen to what the person's actually saying. They're not really focused on so much of that sound. Or some people are just straight into it and they hear it like a catchy beat, you know, or something in the song. And I, like when I'm listening to the shit and what really catches me is I'm a stickler for voice. Like, cause I mean, I listen to, you know, metal music and shit like that, but there's only some that I like actually like really enjoy because I, it all comes together like uh, vocally for me, and also how melodic like the guitars are. I can appreciate the shredding, you know, sweeping and all that. Yeah, it's really cool. But then, you know, the stuff like uh, more of it like an Azalea dying. They shred, but they also have a lot of like harmony. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on yeah. in the back. You know, yeah, like that's really what busy. that's what picks me up is when I hear that harmony and shit like that. That's what really drags me to it. Um, and also on top of being a, uh, you know, front man for a band, uh, and you're currently in one, currently in a band? Yes, I'm, we're having our second show. 
um, in February, uh, February 2nd. Oh, okay. Where, where's that? Uh, it's in Springfield, Ohio, so it's a bit of ways. Um, I'll catch, I'll get the name of the bar for you. All right. It's not a, a bar, but I'll All right, um, we'll plug it in there. I was going to say, you could uh, text it to me after you leave here, and I'll put it in the uh, intro. Okay. Um, And also, I'll uh, post it. All the information along with uh, posting the uh, show, but cool. um, so <clears throat> what? What uh, style of band is this? It's more. It's more. Uh, it's metal. It's more like new metal, metal. But I'm trying to kind of do like my own thing over it vocally. Oh, okay. And I'll show you some clips when we're done here. Alrighty, cool. Yeah. Um, um. So along with being a frontman in this. Uh, band that I'm definitely looking forward to fucking hearing now. Uh, yeah, we're uh, called Nine Mile Silence. Okay, Nine Mile Silence. Uh, you got uh, Facebook, SoundCloud. Yeah, we have Facebook right now. Oh, okay. Uh, anywhere, or I guess probably not, but anywhere you can listen to music yet, or you guys still like we in have the a, demo? We, yeah, but we have a couple live videos. Oh, okay. And it's crazy because the first show we played, uh, I had laryngitis. Oh, damn. But, I mean, I still... Not to toot my own horn, I killed it for having laryngitis. Yeah. It could have been better, but... Dude, and that doesn't surprise me, because I kind of wanted to, uh, you know, venture into this conversation. Uh, you know, pu- pushing through having, you know, laryngitis and still doing uh, your performance and shit like that. Um, if anybody that doesn't know, Ron, you have a, a cerebral palsy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> so that's one thing, like that really stuck out to me when, uh, I guess our second time meeting, you know, (coughs) excuse me, dry throat. But, um, so what really stuck out to me was obviously, you know, you have, uh, CP and you're not afraid to get out here in front of people and, and do your thing musically. And, uh, I, I don't know what it's, you know, like to live with something like that. But, I mean, I get up on stage and I'm just so much anxiety, you know. But you're just out there and I always respect it about you. And a- anybody I meet and you always come up in the conversation, dude. One thing I always say on top of you always being my brother, you know, right. is you got some fucking heart, dude. You know, you go out there and you fucking do it. You always have the confidence, or at least it seems like you got the confidence, you know. So um, how's that kind of uh, affected you, if at all? Um, or just how do, you, how do you view the whole situation, like coming up through life, musically, whatever it may be? Have you had to deal with bullies, shit like that? How do you handle that? Well, it's just at a really young age, I learned to have some pretty thick skin. Right. You know, because... People are dicks. Yeah, cause, and and to be fair, when I've heard people, you know, at a part party or something, uh, whether you're, they're your friends or not, and they're fucking roasting you about it, dude, you don't fucking back down. You're going right back at them, dude, and I admire that shit. It's just you had to be that way because I wasn't always like that. This is like I learned stuff when I was like 11 years old that people don't realize till they're like 30 years old. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So a lot of people say it puts me at a disposition and in some ways they're right, but also it's put me above. Yeah. In some areas. Um, because growing up, I mean, I had a really good support system with my parents and my family and everything. Right. Um, but I'm also very lucky too. Like I'm, I'm in the 2%. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I don't, it doesn't affect me 
nearly as bad as other people, but I also know the reason it doesn't affect me as bad is because I've worked so hard to get here, like from a physical standpoint, you right. know, like there's a lot of people who wouldn't know what to do with a kid like that or don't have the resources, but I'm always, you know, yeah, I mean, I, a lot, a lot of it was from like, you know, having doing physical therapy for such a long time. Right. And just, you know, just learning how to cope with it. And uh, also, like, coming back to your parents earlier, like, supporting you, your vocal uh, style and all that. Like, dude, you, you can do this. Like, I can only imagine them being super supportive through, you know, all that stuff even. Yeah, my, my dad um, and my mom especially, they both were always like, don't ever let somebody, you're ne- you're not any different than anybody else. Right. Like my uh, my grandmother used to tell me, she used to say, the the reason that uh, you have this condition is because if you were like everybody else, right, you would surpass everybody, and it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. So I mean, that's really corny, and of course, you know, they're they're gonna say stuff like that, but that's just kind of the attitude that they've always had. Right. And you know, and you know, a lot of the you know, a lot of stuff where I get. My confidence is because I really just don't care what uh, people right. really think about me or like what their disposition is because like when I'm playing music, like, yeah, I write music, but I, when I'm up there and I'm doing that, I'm doing that for me like that. Yeah. That's where when I'm in that, you know how it when you're in that like short window of time where it's just you playing the music and them, it's just like, that's me. Right. Um. So... Uh, from from what I understand, there's uh different types of CP. Uh, do you know the different types or anything? Well, there's di- there's different levels of people having it. Like for for me, for example, I have it very mildly on my right side, so it only affects the way I walk, and it's not as nearly as noticeable now as it was when I was like growing up. It was a lot worse. So. Uh, that's the only thing you can really tell about my CP. Some people have it a lot worse in like their whole body. Right. They're usually in a wheelchair. Some of them have um, those uh, respiratory issues. Cane. Some uh, some of them do need braces and crutches. Yeah. And it's crazy because it's like a lot of people who have CP, it just doesn't affect the. Um, like it affects like it just affects your motor functions. So right, like, right. Like I was reading uh, a couple of days ago that like some people can't even like hold a pencil and write. Right. Some people have trouble sitting up straight. You know, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine. Now, um, so I don't know much about it because I've not had to live with it. I don't. I don't know if you would, but um. Do you know if this is, like, it always happens, like, from birth, or does it happen after you're born? Most of the time, um, it's during childbirth or before. People don't usually get CP later on in life. It's not something that develops. Oh, it's okay. usually ca- it's usually caused by uh, lacks of oxygen to the brain. Mm, okay. And, like I said, it's it's neurological. Right. So it's, like... Even though your physical body is okay, like I have natural muscle tightness and things like that, that I have to work out. I mean, I've been getting lazy over the past few years because, you know, 
I was comfortable. I need, I need to not do that as much. Yeah, yeah. But like when I was growing up, like when I was younger, I was always in decent shape. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So I was. Shit, I saw that your shirt ripped, ripped fucking wrong. Not anymore. <laughs> Got the dad bod. Dad bod for sure. And uh, you know, uh, like you said, uh, not letting it hold you back. Um, you you've also you know it doesn't seem like it holds you back that much. I mean, you obviously can legally drive. Yeah. You know. Even though you've been through some pretty, pretty rough shit driving. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> so, it, I mean, if you want to, you can get into that story because that's pretty rough, you know, that whole car wreck. Well, yeah. So a couple years back, I believe it was 2015. It was yeah, it was the same year my son was born. Right. Um. So right before he's about to be born, I'm driving to work. Like the roads were fine at the time but the night before it like rained and then it got real cold and it iced over yeah so the side of the road was like icy and what happened was there's this dude he was texting on his phone was this like a like a highway or yeah, back was, road or yeah it was going down the highway i was probably going 45 or 50 because i was Man. still going a little slow because was inclement weather yeah yeah i was driving to work and this guy almost hit me and then i drifted off and my back tire clipped the ice, and then I came back over, almost hit the guy, and then swerved back, and then overcorrected. Right. And got sucked in, and then I uh, swerved two pulls, but hit the third one, driver's side impact. Yeah. And I uh, broke my back. Uh, like br- like like vertebrae or well, how, yeah, how's that I cracked happen? I cracked. Three vertebrae, and then I uh, broke three ribs. Oh goddamn! And your uh, you showed me pictures of your hand too. Oh yeah, I also <laughs> shattered my hand. Dude, that shit looked rough. And uh, it was so crazy because like it happened so quick. Like yeah, I was so disoriented, and I didn't get lucky. Didn't get any sort of head or neck injury. I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. Oh, damn. <laughs> but if I was wearing my seatbelt, I guess, because it was, it was driver's side impact, the pole hit, like, right behind me. Damn. And I was up against it. So, like, I took a, like, deep breath, and I just could, like, feel it pressing against my side. And I was, like, almost in the passenger seat because it pushed me over yeah. into the center console. And uh, so, like, the first thing I did was, like, I lit a smoke just because... <laughs> I was so disoriented. Yeah. It was like a shit. And I was like, wait, I, because I pushed myself out of the driver's seat and sat in the passenger seat and just sat there for a second. I was like, well, I better fucking call 911 or some shit because. Yeah. And that, and what, the other dude, did, did he stop or? Um, no, he just kept going. Damn. Um, so when you're spinning out of control, overcorrecting, what kind of like do you remember if anything was going through your mind or is it just kind of like a autopilot type deal well i mean it happened so quick like cuz i avoided the first one it would have been head on collision and that would have been like would have been like super fucked yeah yeah but uh i just you know i spun sideways and tried to i seen the i seen the pole coming so i just like as quick as i could whipped the wheel away from it and stepped on the gas to try to like pull me that way. 
and it's kind of slowed me down a little bit, but I just hit and I was like, cool. Like, I was like, why am I so cool right now? Like, <laughs> cause nothing hurt. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize my hand was broke cause I reached in my pocket. Oh, dude, adrenaline. <laughs> I reached, reached in my pocket to pull out my phone and I was oh like, that really God. hurt my hand. And uh, I looked down and my hand was like all fucking mangled to shit. I broke all four metacarpals God and it, and, uh, like it was just fucking mangled looking. I was like, well, I don't think it's broke. <laughs> I just had a flashback of my dad being like, like, like when you like playing football or just mess around, you're like, right. I broke my arm. My dad's like, <laughs> yeah. can you move it? Yeah, it's not broke. And I was like, <laughs> I remember that and like trying to move my hand and not yeah. being able to. And I was like, oh, that's what he meant. <laughs> yeah. That thing's fucking broke, dude. Because how many, like you had screws and shit in there. Oh yeah. I have three plates and 16 screws on my right hand. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And how how cold does your hand get in the winter? Oh, dude, it gets... My hand gets the first thing that gets cold. It gets cold on the inside first. Yeah. So it's like... I can't even... Sometimes, like, it's gotten a lot better. I got a lot of, like, uh, feeling back in a lot of spots. But, like, I can't even hold, like, a cold pop or beer in this hand for too long without it, like... Damn. I can imagine. But, I mean, it, use, I mean, I can use it just as well. I got lost a little bit of grip strength, but... Oh, I gotcha. Only, like, with little stuff, like... If it's, like, a little teeny tiny bottle cap, like, a Tabasco bottles are the worst. Oh, yeah. But that's about the only thing that I yeah, can't that's do. Yeah, that's how it was for me. I had a... Which is not anything close to, you know, what you had to do with your hands. But, I, you know, I had carpal tunnel for a while. And even after, you know, I got surgery done, like, my hand feels great right now. But still, sometimes on, like, the small... Like the Tabasco size lid or whatever, it uh, it's it's still a little hard to grip it sometimes. Like I use my left hand or my teeth, you know. And uh, on and uh, moving forward a little bit, but still, you know, on top of having fucking CP, gone through this rough ass car wreck, you know, and here you are still fucking pushing forward, uh, becoming a wrestler. Yeah, I uh, I uh. Was a professional wrestler for a short period of time. Yeah. What What all, like, so what made you decide to, you know, was it like you wake up one day, hey, I'm going to be a professional wrestler, just to add that to, you know, this whole legendary list of things that I'm doing? It's, or it was really weird because I was like in this weird spot uh, where I wasn't playing music. I wasn't doing like really anything but just working. And I was like, I don't just want to work. I was like, right. kind of had writer's block too. I couldn't, I couldn't write anything at the time. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that, but I had just like a major like block. Yeah, every day I have, I, I have it constantly. I'm Cause just, some, cause you know, you know, I was pumping songs out and stuff, you know, like crazy, and then it just was like, just nothing. And then I, uh, it's kind of dumb, but I was just like reading through stuff, like. I wrote when I was like a little kid. I found this notebook, and I was, and it was like, I want to be a professional wrestler when I grow up. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, had dude, I did too, but I abandoned the dream. Oh, I you know, stuck but, with it. You no, stuck with but it. But I had a buddy of mine who was was wrestling. He was like, "Dude, you should, uh, you should come down and do it. You love it, uh, and all this stuff." I was like, "Well, I was like, I don't know, man." So. I heard about this guy named James Avery. Right. He's still the coach at Ohio Professional Wrestling Academy. 
Shout out to all those guys. They're uh, homies. Where, where's that at? Like, it's yeah, in. I, I believe it's still it in. Want. Yeah, still. I believe it's still in uh, Newark, Ohio. I'll give you the address that you can uh, you can plug. Uh, but you know they train people from like everywhere. So I'll get the address. You can plug it in. We'll. Uh, all right, that's cool. Get them going, but so I just called this <sighs> dude and I was like, so how do I join wrestling school? Because you just don't like go to a show and you're a professional wrestler. There's like, you have to actually go to a wrestling school and be trained and things like that. So I talked to this guy and he was like, come on down. So I went down there, did this little tryout thing where I just took a couple bumps did he know that you had CP and all yeah, that stuff? I told him about it, and then he told me about this other wrestler. <laughs> Excuse me. Named Greg Iron, oh, who okay. has CP. And he actually has it, like, a lot worse than I do. Oh, okay. And uh, we'll get into that. Because um, he actually helped me come up with the character that I... What was yeah. your name? My wrestling name was the King of Cripples, Ronnie Raymond. Oh, oh my God. That's um, fucking ridiculous. And, uh... <laughs> Like, and that was my, like, gimmick. I, I didn't, that was the hardest part. Because I wanted to, because I did, I was an agent when I was getting, not an agent, I'm sorry, a manager. When I was getting into becoming a wrestler. Right. Like, so just to kind of bring it back, because I want to kind of tell it. Yeah, yeah. In the order that all this, how this process goes. And there's a lot of stuff with this, so. Tried out with this guy, and then he was like, all right, you know. He's like, I think, you know, you'll be fine. So I started going to training, and I joined. It actually took me quite a bit longer because I wasn't, let's say, a rest. Like, I was not a natural by any means. So yeah, it yeah, took yeah. me a little bit longer than what it would take anyone else to uh, get the okay to start wrestling shows. Yeah, coming back to that heart. But, yeah, and it's just... It was just like, like that's that stuff's crazy, man. Like everybody likes to say wrestling's fake and stuff, but like, oh yeah, some you, dudes you really picking, up. some dudes really picking you up and dropping you on your back, or you know. And I realized like, it's almost like the correlation to professional wrestling and playing music is like almost the same. Yeah, like, in what ways? Just there's like a dues paying process or a paying dues process. Oh, okay, okay. Like you gotta and people are still like fifteen year vets and still doing this stuff. There's a lot of like uh stuff you you do so you'll go to a show, for example, early and you'll help set up the ring. You'll run security. Even sometimes I've refereed a bunch of wrestling matches oh, when I nice. first started. And that actually was really good because it kinda helps give you timing and feel the crowd and things like that. But um so I I trained there for I don't know it seemed like a year and a half. Uh, and then he finally told me I could get my boots, which meant, um, I could start doing shows. I got the okay. <coughs> That's another thing. There's a lot of like etiquette with with professional wrestling, especially right. when you're first coming up. Like there's so much etiquette, and it's weird because you think with a bunch of tough guys, yeah, like that are professional wrestlers, there wouldn't be so much drama. But a lot of professional wrestlers are pretty, like, drama. Like, they're like high school girls. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, 
There's so much politics yeah. in it. And it's just so crazy how that shit works behind the scenes. And it's like, it's wild. So just the, the process of like, sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Of the training was just a lot of it was repetition. Right. Like, and it's timing. Like there's like a big thing with wrestling that it is really important for people to be professionally trained because there are promotions out here that have untrained guys and people don't realize like it's, it's dangerous. Like you're literally have someone else's life in your hands. Like if you mess up, I've seen people get injured and most of the time when people I seen get injured, it wasn't the person like get taking the move. It was the person giving the fucking move. Uh, what, because what's the uh, worst, worst, uh, injury that you've seen there? You mean that I've seen personally? Mm-hmm. I've seen a guy at a show uh, one time get, sp- I mean, he got spiked on his head. They oh, they damn. botched a call, and the guy thought he was going to give him a vertical suplex, and he took it like a DDT, so his dude was like straight up in the air. Oh, okay. So vertical suplex being like, they got each other kind of in like a headlock and they stand like kind of in a straight up line. One guy being up on his shoulders, feet up in the air. Well, the dude didn't even, they didn't even time it out right. It was just, the whole thing was bad. Like the dude went to give him a DDT and the guy taking the move thought he was going to give him a vertical suplex. So he oh, okay. posted up and went to take the, the move and drove him right on his head. He oh, didn't, damn. it was, it was crazy. Yeah, I've also what, so I've what? also seen a lot of people blow out knees, uh, wrestling. Uh, I think I seen a dude break a finger, but I mean it's it's a work. But these dudes are doing crazy stuff. Like I think I showed you that video I got when I get thrown out of the ring. Uh, but, I don't think you've shown me. Oh, okay. Well, I'll have to show you that. I'd love to see that. <laughs> Fucking get. Is it like uh, like. WWE size ring or is there yeah, like different there, that's the thing about the indies everyone's rings a little bit different you know what I mean like each promoter has a different ring you know what I mean it's right so sometimes you go there's this one guy I'm not gonna drop any names but there's this one promotion where they don't even have mat it's just carpet padding oh, under wow. a canvas dude and like I've been taken down on like you know jujitsu mats and stuff that's I would say it's probably a little more padding than what you guys are working with, and that's still a little rough. Like, oh, man. at some points, if you don't, if you don't like take your bump correctly, like that's the thing that took me a long time, like to not like, I always would get the wind knocked out of me, right? You're literally throwing yourself on the ground. Yeah. I was gonna ask you, like, uh, what what's one of like, what's the hardest thing to learn for you when you first started there, or was there some things that came natural? Or some things you had to work super hard for. Yeah, the the thing that came, and this is what my trainer and everybody told me one of my strengths was, is like I knew how to, obviously I was comfortable being around a crowd. Right. I knew how to read a crowd. And I kind of, I had a good grip on ring psychology. And like by ring psychology, what I mean is like the story you're going to tell. Because when you have a, a wrestling match, it's, everybody thinks it's just a bunch of moves, but it's not like you want to, Build them up, you know what I mean? It's yeah. It's got to be climate. There's got to be a purpose. Like, what story are you telling? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so do you guys like script this like speaking of story do you guys script a story out like like kind of you know i hate to say wwe but that's really the well, only yeah, thing i'm like can, super yeah, familiar with i mean they're they're the best at it so i mean if you're not doing it that way then like so but i'm saying it's more like uh well in the indies it's different because unless even if you're wanting running a weekly promotion which not a lot there's a couple around here but most of the time you want to you don't run a you can't run like super crazy long angles right like most of the time you have to like WWE they build stuff for like a month or something yeah. we have to tell all our stories in one show you know gotcha, what i'm saying gotcha but you the way you tell the story you don't even have to cut a promo or do anything it's just the match Oh, okay. So, like, the story that I would tell, let's say you're a professional wrestler. Let's say you're Kenny the Destroyer. Right. Or some shit. Been Usually, the Ripper a few times. I'd be, the, I'd be the face, okay, which is the good guy. Okay. I'd come out and I'd do some cheap shit. Like, I really liked to be from whatever city I was wrestling in. I would be from that city because everyone would cheer for me automatically. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get everybody on my side. <laughs> yeah, we've the, never seen you, but you're from our city. Yeah. yeah. I would do everything I could. And I, I used, I was, I mean, I wish I, re, I really didn't get a whole lot of ring time when I got the go. I think I had like three, four matches. Oh, okay. Uh, because I got in that car wreck, um, right around the time I got the go ahead to do this. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I forgot what I was <laughs> So you... Got to do a couple matches. You were the face. You would say that you're oh, from yeah. their city, and I was supposed to, I'm assuming, be the heel. Yeah, so the story I would tell is like, the short version is like, let's say they're going to put me over because they want the pop. So, like, they put, so pretty much what they do is I'll have a little hope spot in the beginning. Right. Where I, like, will be like, yeah, like, I'm the good I'm the good guy. Like, it's kind of like, you ever, I use this analogy. You ever seen Rocky 1? Uh, yeah. You know how in the very beginning of that movie they show him just beating the shit out of that, like, that one guy, the Spider Rico dude? Yeah, yeah. He just beat the shit. That's pretty much what it's like. Like, you show, oh, cool, they get everyone on my side. And usually, I mean, this is the majority of the matches I would work, is they would, like, cut me off, and yeah. then they'd be all, like, do bad guy stuff. Like, everyone would feel bad for me because I'm, like, the wrestler with CP. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... I had a lot of it would be like me just taking a beating and then like kicking out of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was like just that like split second before three. Like the, yeah. Like I'd be the heart guy. Yeah. I'd always like the couple victories I got were the same way. It was just like, I would hit someone with like a roll up, like a real quick <laughs> yeah. pin. What, what's, uh, so like you just grab their leg and like kind of roll up onto them. Yeah. There, there's a couple kinda different like side control. There's a couple different ones you can do. I usually would do like ones out of nowhere just because they're fun or like it'd be like I kind of stole one. Right. But I always wanted to be a heel though. I never got that opportunity. Yeah. So but. so when you were when you were the face, the good guy, and these stories played out, uh, like hey, I'm assuming you've won a couple. Yeah. Uh, did they have you lose any? Oh, of course. I was in a lot of what they call squash matches. Oh, okay. Like a squash match is just somebody in a lot of... You do this regardless when you first break in the business. Now, is that still story-driven, or is it kind of just like a, you know... It's a couple different things. A lot of times I'll do that to... Um, like kinda one like thing I did... Like one story that we were going to... That I was going to run with 
this promotion that they told me that they wanted to run is I would like you they were gonna use me to put their biggest heel over and their biggest face. So like okay. since I'm like the king of cripples, I was gonna like <laughs> beat this dude right, like right. clean, and then he was gonna beat the crap out of me, right? Like so after you won the yeah, match he was he's just gonna, gonna attack beating you. the crap oh, okay, he's all okay. mad. Or even even if I lose, let's say he squashes oh, okay. me. Let's say he squashes me and I lose. And then he comes over and just starts beating me up because he's a butthole. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they would like trigger the the their face that they're trying to push. He'd come out and save me. Oh, okay. Like that would be that was one thing that we talked about doing. But a lot of my <laughs> a lot of my uh gimmick was taking bumps. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, the, did you have like outraged fans in the crowd because of your name, or how how was it taking bumps? No, uh, there wasn't. People usually cheered. People liked because I was supposed to like my thing that I would say would be like I do this for all the people that can't. You know what I'm oh, saying? Okay, like, yeah, yeah. I was like up there doing it because I could. Like you know what I mean? Like for everyone, you know what I mean? Like trying to, I'm standing for something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get people on your side, like, and. I don't know how to say this politely, but a lot of people with disabilities like wrestling. We'll put it that way. Yeah. And those, I mean, those people love my gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, it's not that, you know, yeah. it's not like you're faking it. <laughs> there was a couple people, there was a couple promoters that didn't want me to use the King of Cripples. Right. I mean, un- understandable, but at the same time, but like you said, like it, you said, but, it's... You know, but you know my my trainer would even tell them like, but this isn't a work. Yeah, yeah. This is like really him. Like, this is his gimmick. Like you can't. Yeah, and he's the fucking king. Yeah. Because so. I was the like, let's say I'd be a heel. Right. If I was ever a heel, I would have been like, I'm the Michael Jordan of being crippled. Like if I had your body. <laughs> yeah. If I had your body, I would be f- the best in the world. But I'm not. Yeah, but I can I'm just still see you. really fucking good. I'm better than everybody here. Fucking winning, and winning hate, over somebody and moonwalking over them. I would hate on like able-bodied people, <laughs> and I'd just be like a big prick. And I was gonna make a yeah. sp- special belt of like <laughs> the handicap king. Yeah, and I'd have a special rules. I'd be like, I only have to win with like a two count or some shit. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah. And That'd just be fucked up. Be a dick. Yeah. Um. So. Kinda same vein, kinda not. I only say that because there's some WWE stars mixed in UFC. I know we just watch that, you know, and I I say WWE because I got some questions for you. Okay. About, you know, some of their what what wrestlers, old fighters, stuff like that. Um so UFC two thirty two was over the weekend. The long-awaited rematch Gus and John Jones um did, so did you watch uh like the prelims or just the main card I didn't really watch the prelims but I did watch uh the main card um and before we continue uh, you already know huge UFC fan yeah right huge right. John Jones fan yeah uh huge Alex Alexander Gustafson fan like I oh, love yeah. all those guys um but yeah I watched I watched the main card didn't watch any of the Early prelims, I seen clips of fights. All right, so I, I wanna I, I watched uh, the prelims. Now that's what I've usually been doing nowadays is going over to Greg's house a little early and we watch the prelims and all that stuff. Um, so I I actually missed the first fight, which was uh, B J Penn versus Ryan Hall. Uh, did you see any 
uh, highlights or anything of that fight. I just heard that he got submitted. Yeah, um, so that that was my question about that fight is like, obviously you can't tell a fighter when they should retire, but I mean, how, how much longer do you think BJ Penn's got? I think he's on like a five fight losing yeah, streak. I think BJ Penn should have, you know, not to take anything away from BJ. Right, legend, legend. So many things he's done. You know what yeah. I mean? He's just two time world. He needs to hang it up. Just kind of like the travesty. I wanted to bring this up too. With with the Chuck Liddell fight. Oh yeah, yeah. Like as that soon as he terrible. came out and threw that first punch, I knew yeah. it was a wrap. I'm not for a fighter, him. but that was terrible. He looked so slow, and I, I think you know, and I in the in the Yair fight to see BJ get dropped like that. Oh yeah, dude. I that's yeah. when I really thought he shouldn't hang it up. Yeah, Yair's a monster. Speaking of him, that elbow that he got against uh, the Korean zombie. Did you see that one? Yeah, do you hear he's fighting? Yair's fighting uh, Zabit next. Oh, yeah, dude. That's going to be a hell of a fight. Zabit is a monster. Um, so, did you see the uh, uh, Kat Zangano versus Megan Anderson? Yeah, the, the eye poke. Dude, I was looking forward to that fight. Like, I was, I was pissed. Like, it, I'm not mad that, you know, Kat lost or Megan won, whatever. I didn't really have a dog in the fight. I just wanted it to go longer. Because right. it happened so early on. I think there was only, like, two strikes thrown, and one of them was the kick. So, like, did you see any pictures or anything? Oh, yeah. I yeah, like, cut her, cut her eyelid open and stuff. She thought she, like, ruptured her eye. Yeah, Dude. but the, the thing with that is, though, it was a toe. Like, it, you can't calculate. Like, I mean, maybe they should put some tape over their toes yeah, yeah. or something. Like, But at the same time, it's like, MMA is so chaotic. Yeah, that was just, like, a freak accident. That was, that was like... All the stars aligned just for that to happen. Oh, it was nasty. Dude, it was terrible. And I feel bad for Kat because, you but know, I, I like her style. I love watching her fight, but it seems like all these times that I see her lose, she always gets caught up in something that's like, like it's like an anomaly. Like, it shouldn't right. have happened, you know? Um, Like that, that arm bar or whatever. I, I think it was an arm bar against Ronda. She, like, ran to Ronda. It was a quick scramble and then an arm bar. It's like, Well, that's also Ronda. Right, right. Um... Yeah, speaking of WWE, Ronda and I actually think she's really she's really good as a uh, professional wrestler. Right, she gets it. Yeah, and uh, like obviously, I wish that I could just see her fight still, but you know, I'm not mad at her. She's making some money. You know, this is my theory. Ronda was good because, and I'm not taking anything away from right, her. Right, we she was good because the talent pool that she had. I'm not saying she didn't fight no, but it, good people because she did. But yeah, for sure, people just caught up with her skill set. Like someone like Amanda Nunes, you know. Yeah, yeah. And someone like Holly Holm, who's a world champion, <laughs> yeah. world class striker. Yeah, and and, and, and also it kind of seems like and Ronda's striking with lat was was just yeah. not where it needed to be. And I think it it worked out a little bit her striking and her advantage just because. There was kind of like this, like this aura around her, like, oh, it's 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 Ronda Rousey, yeah, that's the champion. Like, we know that if she gets a hold of us, it's not going to be good news. So I think they're focused on worrying about like not getting taken down. So it really opened up the shots that Ronda was able to land. You know? Yeah. So like they're worried about getting taken down and submitted because that's you know that's what she was. She was a armbar machine, and uh, yeah, I think that really just let you know. Her get her shots in easier. Um, so 
I bet on these fights now with real money. On a I did that for a while. I wish, dude. I wish I would have bet on the Nunez fight. Oh, I did, and I won. Good. Um, I would have won too. I had, I even had her in the first round. Uh, I do round betting, so I'd be a liar if I said that I picked one round. I bet all five. But see, the thing is, is, I only bet five on each round, so $25. But I win one round. The highest I could win is like 150 and the lowest I can win is 60 So I'm still getting all my money back and then some, you know. Um, Did you see, did you happen to see the uh, or highlights, Andre Orlovsky versus Walt Harris? I watched that fight. I oh, wasn't okay. really paying attention. So I, I thought it was weird. Uh... I mean, I, I could see why they gave it to Walt Harris. It seemed like he was a little bit more aggressive in there. But if you look at the stats, Arlovsky just outstruck him so hard. Yeah. I, th- I think it's because of the control. How, how? Just speaking of, how is Andre Arlovsky still fighting? Like, yeah. he's a warrior. Yeah, and I wanted to bring that up, dude, because I, I looked into his record. He, he's like, God, he's a glass cannon, though, man. If you touch him on the yeah. chin, he's... He had going to bed. four fights before the UFC, only four pro fights. Signed uh, on UFC 28 to fight. He had 14 fights with the UFC. Left the UFC, hopped around in other organizations for 14 more fights. Resigned with the UFC, and the fight he just had with Walt Harris was his 14th fight back. Isn't that ridiculous? Dude. Just three 14 streaks in a row. But, dude, he's been fighting, I think... Since, he's fighting since before ninety nine, I think. He's been fighting before I I started. The first pay per view I remember watching at my buddy's house was uh, Chuck Tito one. Yeah. And I think that was UFC thirty four. I'm not sure. Damn, that's a while ago. The first one I saw was with you over at Haas's house when Silva front kicked Vitor in the face. I just remember it because, like, I think that was before my drinking days. So I was the only one really paying attention to the TV. <laughs> Everyone else just partying. And I was, like, that's what basically signed me up. Like, when I saw that front kick, I was just like, holy fuck. <laughs> gotta be kidding me with that shit, dude. Um, I got all my friends in MMA. I got you, Smith. What do you think about uh, Israel Adesanya versus Silva? I love it and hate it at the same time. Why you hate it? I hate it because, like, I hate seeing a legend like Anderson Silva. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're pretty much feeding him. They're pretty much... Like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I hate to say, like, this is pretty much, like, feeding him to uh, the style bender. Yeah, here's style bender. To give him, like, that notch on his belt. But <laughs> yeah. at the same time, they're like, hey, Anderson, if you beat him, we'll give you a title yeah. shot. Because who who expected, you know, when Anderson Silva... He fought Silva, four times this year. Silva? No. Oh yeah, Israel. Style Israel. Man. He's debuted in January of eighteen, I believe. He's getting it. He's and putting it in. He's, he's fairly just new to it, right? To storm. MMA. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I love it though because it's Silva, man. Like it's Silva kind of versus the new Silva. Um, that's and that's what I thought. Like I always think of like Michael Venom Page when I'm thinking of like a nowadays. Uh, Anderson Silva, just the way he moves and stuff. But then I see, you know, Israel come out, and I'm like, this dude's good. He made Derek Brunson look like a fool. He made Derek Brunson look like a fool, dude. 
Yeah, he was just picking his shots. He was so calm, dude. That's like that dude's a fighter, you know. Like he he thinks about it. He's not just out there just you know throwing fucking leather around. Like he's not out there trying to get the knockout. He's letting it come to him, you know. Um. So moving forward a little bit, uh, I I also bet on uh Chad uh, Mendez versus uh Alexander Volkanovsky. Who'd you pick? I picked Chad. I put money on Chad, but uh, that was a good fight. Yeah, it was a really um, good fight. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at the scorecards, Chad was down. Uh, and if you look at the stats, understandably so. But it was it was still a good fight. They were both in there just throwing. Both of them were rocked. You know, um, Ilhair Latifi versus Corey Anderson. That um, fight was sweet. Yeah, I put money on Ilhair. Because I thought he was going to take it. Every time I've seen him fight, he's just, you know, did he, did he put him out. Fight? No, he no, lost by decision. So. Lost by decision. It was so, a close fight, though. Yeah, I mean, it was good, but you could tell in the second and third round, dude, he was just slow and down. I'd like to see him move down a weight class and see what he could do. Because I think he's like the smallest light heavyweight. <laughs> I think he's like 5'8 or something. Um, Carlos Condit versus Michael Chiesa. I won some money on this fight. I put money on both of them, so that's how I won. But I won sixty bucks off of Kiesa nice. winning. Uh, Joe, uh, did you hear Joe Rogan talking about that fight at all? I didn't. So afterwards, and obviously Joe knows way more about you know mixed martial arts than I do, but I'm still allowed to have a different opinion than him about something, right? Right, um, of course. So he was talking to uh, Kiesa, and he said, you know, something along the lines of like, "Oh, you manhandled." Uh, fucking Carlos Condit on the ground, and I'm like, I I don't agree with that, you know, because I felt like, like Kiesa was on top longer, but uh, Condit was doing some shit off his back, you know. Yeah, he always he was does. throwing up submissions, like so. I looked at the the stats afterwards. Michael Kiesa had all the takedowns, and he had the longer control time on top, but uh, Carlos Condit had two submission attempts matched with. Uh, Kiesa's had uh, four uh, like transitions. Kiesa had zero, and he had uh, I think two, two or four reversals. Kiesa had zero, so it's like he was clearly putting in work. He didn't get manhandled on the ground. I I just thought that was, uh, I mean, it was in the moment, you know, big fight, right? So uh, I just thought it was a little weird, like oh, you manhandled him on the ground. It's like yeah, but he really didn't, you know. He he put in some work off his back. I like Carlos Condit. Ever since I've seen him fight uh, GSP, dude, I was a Carlos Condit fan after that. Like, I thought he won that fight, you know? Like, he had George rocked. He was all over the place, dude. And George ain't a slouch. He also got in a war with Robbie. Yeah, dude. Carlos is the natural-born killer, <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah, they're putting on uh, all these fucking great fights on these cards. Um I thought it was, dude, the whole card, prelims and everything, was just stacked. You know, whole thing. Just so many great fights. And I thought it was, like, one of the better cards they've put on in a while. Uh, and coming to uh, Cyborg and Nunes. Like, obviously everybody expected Cyborg to win I that. I didn't. I did not expect her. I put all my money on Amanda. Because I was like, even if she wins, like, she, she had the well, highest payouts. I'm not going to, I take that back. I'm not going to say and say I didn't expect her to win, but I had Nunez winning. 
I just thought you didn't think it'd be a forty second knockout. <laughs> no, of course I didn't. Of course I didn't. Yeah, I just knew that she has a questionable gas tank at times. Right. And I knew that she likes to slug, and I knew, and I know that she knows that Cyborg liked to slug. So I thought it would be one of them would get knocked yeah. out in the first round because of the style. You know, it's funny. Uh, Amanda landed 20 more strikes than Cyborg did. It was 26 to 6. And uh, coming into this fight, Cyborg's uh, striking accuracy was 58%. Grappling accuracy was 75%. And uh, her record was 20 and 1 before Amanda. Uh, And Amanda, she, uh, like, coming into this fight, I feel like, you know, Obviously not you, but probably the majority of people were overlooking her in this. But then you look back at her record, dude, at all the people she's beat. Oh, she's beat everyone they put in front of her. I would say she's, like, I mean, I'm not just saying that to hop on the bandwagon, but it's like, I would say she's in the running for the greatest female fighter of all time. Oh, without a question. Especially after that victory to Cyborg and how she did it. Yeah. I don't think Cyborg's ever been knocked out. Uh, I think she has once, but that was, uh... Before UFC, I, I think her first loss was a knockout. It was, a, I think, it was her very first fight ever, if I'm not mistaken. But you look at uh, Amanda's record, Lady Vandy, uh, Jermaine Durandamy. Whether or not she was a champion at the time, she was still a UFC champion at one point. Uh, she beat Valentina Shevchenko twice, and she's a current champion right now. She beat Ronda twice. She beat Misha Tate. She beat Sarah McMahon. So she's beating champions and Olympians, you know. She's putting in work. She's not, you know, top 15 beating up these girls that are, have only been fighting for a couple years. She's taking out, like, legit right. fight experience people. Kill her. And, and then come in there and just knock out Cyborg in under a minute. Who Who is supposed to be the baddest female of all time, you know. She basically Ronda Rousey her. She did though, <laughs> yeah. Which is ridiculous. I just love, I just love how she just went in there. She just started dropping bombs, dude. Yeah, right. Just immediately, right off the bat, and Cyborg took a good number of shots before she went down. So gotta give her respect. Oh, dude, she was coming back to heart, dude. She was staying in there, but Amanda you only get so far with heart, so though, when bad. you're getting tagged she like that. She wanted it so bad. Yeah. I, do you think she like underestimated Nunez, like her striking power, or do you think like she she just used to just winning, so she just was naturally like, hey, I got this. I think everybody was surprised, to be honest, with how pow- powerful she was at that weight. She moved up, and yeah, she dude. has so much more power at that weight. <laughs> yeah, it's like DC when he fought oh, Stipe, man. dude. It was just like you can see it. Like nobody's nobody's handled. Yeah. They, she's, people forget Cyborg trains with all men. Like, she spars oh, yeah. with men. You see that video of her boyfriend's bitch slapping her before a fight? Yeah. Dude, he slapped this shit out of her. I was laughing so hard when I saw that. It's like, she is crazy. Like, she's more manly than I am, for sure. Dude, she beat both of our asses <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, what do, what do you think's next for Amanda? Who do you think she should fight? I mean... Do you think they're going to keep that division open, the 145? There's really no one there. Exactly. There's you like, know? I don't think, like, I don't even know who they would have listed at that weight. Yeah. 
Like, so that what I think it's Megan Anderson, Holly Holm. I think that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and Holly just Cyborg. fought Cyborg. I mean, I would like to see her fight Holly because she hasn't fought Holly yet. Do you think Cyborg's going to uh, re-sign with the UFC? This was the last fight on her contract. I mean, I don't know why she'd go anywhere. I don't know who she, who else she's going to fight. Like, they're uh, the premier for women's fighting now. It used to be. Well, I heard she was going to possibly one FC. Very, well, that would make that would make sense because they've been really making moves. Yeah, yeah, and um, so from You're what Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm ready to see Ben Askren in Me the UFC too, man. Like with this being said, though, every fight that I've seen, it seems like he's he eats a good amount of shots standing up, and he constantly pressures for that takedown. But when he does get the takedown. You know, it seems to work out for him. How do you feel about him as a fighter? I don't know much about him. I've only seen the highlights. I've only seen a couple fight, uh, a couple fights, full fights of his. I mean, he's definitely a very smart fighter, the way he yeah. fights. Like, he hasn't been hit very much. And he's... T- all I have to say is Tyron Woodley's wrestling coach. Like, that's all... Like, that in itself should just tell you how good of a wrestler he is. Now, yeah. striking-wise... He's fought some good strikers, but I'd like to see him fight somebody in UFC level. Yeah. Now, he, I, I think he's a fought in two years or something. So. Like that. Have uh, they rescheduled that fight with Robbie? I don't, know what's Robbie? Going, I don't have no idea what's going on with Askren. That'd right be now. an interesting fight. I, did it get called off or something? Uh, yeah, because they had to move that card. That, that was supposed to be on the Dillashaw and Cejudo card. And they uh, had to move it for some reason to a week before, and uh, Robbie wouldn't agree to it. Oh, yeah, it's on. It's on that new ESPN Plus deal that they're that they got going on. So I don't know. It, it, I hope they reschedule it though, because I'm trying to see that for sure. Um, all right. So final final fight of the card: Jones versus Gus. How what what'd you feel going into it? I thought. I thought John looked really good. Right. Uh, I mean, we'll get into the controversy after this, but right. Without the, I thought John looked really good, uh, and they both to me because I, ex- you know, I expected thought this was kind of a good matchup because both of those guys have been on a long layoff. Right. And uh, you see, Jones came in there. I mean, he got in their first fight. Have you watched their first fight? I've watched their first fight probably like, probably eighteen times. Yeah. That's a hell of a fight. He was just killing him with the boxing. That's the first thing I noticed that John Jones. Gus. Yeah, that John Jones really sharpened up in oh, this yeah. fight. Well, and he said that he was bo- only doing boxing in his garage for that, like basically the whole time he was off or whatever. And uh, he looked really good. I liked the way he used his range. He's very smart. Uh, he let Alex come to him. Right. Um, it was. Th- it was we seen a very patient John Jones. Yeah. Um John, he's just a any freak, dude. The way he did it was the way he attacked Gus's legs and then just waited for his legs to get tired. Yeah. And take him down and the way that he just did that half Nelson. <laughs> like he went he went for that choke to open up those strikes. Yeah. And So he was going for a choke. Well, he was going. I think, if I remember correctly, he like went, acted like he was trying to take the back. 
Yeah, because see, that's what I thought. Because like, when he put him in that half Nelson, I thought he was like going for a choker or something. I'm like, I've never seen that before. Like, you know, a setup like that. But I guess, you know, that's more of a wrestling move, not a jujitsu move, right? Yeah. And then when he started raining down, there's, I mean, he was just waiting. Yeah. It was just like he went in for the kill, and he was just a step ahead. Now, with that being said, I mean, we're. I understand that the amount they're talking about is substantial. Like, yeah, the Tarana ball. But, I mean, I don't know what to believe. I can't tell if they're making up fake science for this shit or what. Because yeah. um, if, if that's true, this science, how's coming to happening to any other fighters? And how come, yeah. You know? And let's just, let me just get this out of the way. For the record, if... There was no steroids in MMA. Let's just pretend that no one took any steroids. I still think John Jones is better than everybody. Yeah, so do still. you think he was cheating, or do you think it was a legit, uh, you know, tainted supplement? I don't know, man. It's just weird how he tests super-duper clean. Even going back to the DC drug test. Clean as a fucking whistle. Yeah. And those... Results are showing up, and then they're clean again, and then they're dirty. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's microdosing. I mean, I don't know if I can go off of what everything I read from, you know, Jeff Nowinski or whatever. Yeah. But they say it's just like, and it's like 18 picograms, which is one. so small. Yeah, one picogram. But... So, and if it's so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if it's such a not big deal, why the fuck do they tell everybody and make a big deal about it? Yeah, and I don't know. It's like when he was t- t- talking to Gus about it, like, oh, you think I beat you and everybody else just because, uh, you know, I had one picogram in me, and and Gus was like, well, yeah, I do believe that, but then you know, I feel like Gus should have been like, what's well, one picogram now? What was it before? You know, right like, through all that time, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, it, what, like, what do you do from here? Like, is he gonna test for one picogram for however long for all these next upcoming tests, or you know, how how do you move forward with that? Or like, hey, it can't be over one picogram anymore. I don't you know? even know. I don't even know why we're even doing this. Like, everybody was juice to the gills. Like. We seen it. We seen it yeah. because look at how different everybody looks now. Everybody almost. Yeah. There's some people like I you know, obviously I don't think I do think there are fighters that weren't using. I don't think that DC ever used. I don't think Bisping ever there's people you look you can tell. Look at homeboys from before you saw the testing. Oh, there's yeah. a bunch of them. Every- Even though people that didn't get caught, you still look at them and you're like Yeah. Motherfucker. I feel like with Johnny Hendricks. Oh, for sure. He never popped, but he definitely wasn't the same after, you know. A lot of people weren't the same. Yeah. You notice how Brazil kind of fell off. No, I'm yeah. serious. Brazil. I mean, after Aldo lost to uh, McGregor, and he had like that one kind of weak fight back, he did look good against Frankie. I will say that. I thought Aldo looked pretty good against Frankie. He got chewed up, though, by Holloway both yeah. times. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Is that just he's might be just past his fight prime now? Because I think he's only twenty nine. Yeah. Who? Aldo. He's oh, only twenty nine or thirty. No, dude. He just murdered somebody just recently. He just had a fight and won. 
Oh, Jeremy. Uh, oh, yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy Stevens. Stevens, dude. That was rough. I was pulling for Jeremy, too. That was rough, dude. I thought Jeremy was going to knock his block off. But oh, then me that, too, dude, but that he knocked that shot. body shot. Oh. And you can tell, dude, he just squinted his eyes. Oh, he knew it was over. You can't do... Yeah, you can't... Yeah. That's vin- that's vintage auto, though. So, uh... With John winning this, who do you think's next for him? Do you think he should fight DC? Do you think DC should just fight Brock and go home? Because, I mean, if you look at the top five, the only people coming up that could possibly fight John Jones, and this is in the top five, is Anthony Smith and uh, Thiago Santos. They're the only two people in the top five that's coming off a win and on a three and four fight win streak. And if you're doing top ten, uh, or no, I take that back. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Jan Blahovich. He's in the top three as well. He's got a uh, three fight. Anthony Smith is four fight. Thiago Santos is three fight. And then uh, after this, you break out of the uh, top five. It's uh, Dominic Reyes with a nine fight win streak and These he's are all undefeated. Two of fivers, right? Yeah, two of all in John's class. And uh, Corey Anderson, who just won uh, over Ilir Latifi. I just feel like, dude, it used to always be 205 and 155 were always the best divisions. Yeah. 155 has never, ever in his life looked weak. Yeah. Um, I just feel like 205 is like, I don't know why nobody's there, but there's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just thinking the same thing when I was looking up those uh, rankings, but... So, I mean, so what do you feel should be next for John? Do you think it should be DC or somebody in 205? Well, I think John needs to worry about this Vada testing because yeah, yeah. if he tests, if he pops dirty in the next 30 days, they could overturn this victory. That's what nobody's talking about. Yeah. That was a condition to the fight. Was Well, if he popped. Well, dude, what if he did and then they gave the title to Gus like they did for DC? Wouldn't that be something? No, because if he gets stripped, they need to give it back to DC. <laughs> yeah, but then you'd have a, what DC Gus too, and that I mean that was a well maybe not because DC says fighting one more time and then he's heading out. Everybody, this is what I want to see. What I want to see is DC Jones heavyweight, right? But even if John's cheating, which we're all pretty sure he is, yeah, yeah. It's not going to matter. I mean, John's not going to move up to fight DC when he's beat him twice. He yeah. has no need to do that. I feel like I feel like their, their third fight will not happen. If I'm DC, I'm never fighting that dude again. Right. Why? You have nothing else to prove. Yeah. Don't do it. I love DC, and I'm kind of upset that I have to watch a guy like that get beat by like someone like Jones, but at the same time, I understand how important John Jones is to the grand scheme of MMA. Right. I I mean it's hard to say, you know. I I would like to think that he'd not been cheating this whole time and uh I don't know, I hope from here on out like he really sets an example for himself and other people like and just a new standard like I get it everybody's, you know, got their own demons and nobody's perfect, but I mean it you should definitely try a little more, like oh yeah, and try, probably take a little bit more accountability Dude, for your actions. After this, I don't know what they're gonna do. I mean, if he fucks up again, yeah. I mean, I, I guess just hook him up with that indefinite suspension. 
Like, no, shit, he'll get bridge. banned. He, what he'll do is he'll get banned here and he'll go fight overseas somewhere for a yeah. bunch of money where they don't have as strict. Yeah. Where they don't have any strict shit. Springback pride. Dude, I'm. <laughs> I get it. Okay. I understand, like, when you're doing steroids in MMA, you're not, like, hitting a ball. You're not running faster. Right. You're punching someone else in the face or kicking them or doing whatever. You're causing that person permanent injury. And I don't think. It's fair that they should be jacking. But then at the same time, it's like, why not just give them to everybody? It's like there's no <laughs> way to win because somebody's always going to cheat. Someone's always going to try to get an advantage. Yeah. And I understand because if there was, if someone told you, Kenny, right now, if there was like, if you take this pill, you will be like a hundred times better at making a podcast, for example. Yeah. You would be like, Fuck yeah, I'm taking that pill. If they're yeah. like, take this pill, you're going to be instantly better at playing guitar. If you're taking that fucking pill. So yeah, I get it at the same time. Yeah. But, but I don't want, I don't know because if, to be honest, if I was John Jones, if I was him and I was a sociopath and I knew I was going to get away with it. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm juicing. Come on, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Let's get this shit. Yeah. Alrighty, so we've been doing this for about an hour and fifteen minutes. Uh, yeah, you got you got anything you want to plug before we wrap it up, or bands uh, like CP organizations, your dad's music, anything? Uh, just uh, February second, um, playing, and I mean, also want to plug the uh, um, Ohio Professional Wrestling Academy. I looked them up on Facebook. Uh, you're interested in becoming a professional wrestler to help you out so that's all i got Alrighty. um so it's good seeing you thanks for uh hanging out it's been too fucking long oh for sure we'll do it again buddy Alrighty. cool all right ron freeman thanks Cut this shit.